Greetings, loves. This is Annette of AnnetteLearner.com back again with Chronic Wellness. Today, I want to wrap up my series talking about compassion and empathy. And as we've discussed, these words are not synonyms. They are related, but not synonymous. And so once I feel that empathy, once I am able to identify with what someone is experiencing, then I am able to behave in compassionate ways. I'm able to take action. And here is kind of the shortcoming of empathy is that if I have a bias towards someone, if I don't see myself in someone else, then I'm not necessarily able to empathize with their experience. However, I can often take compassionate action even without empathy. So I can lend myself to a cause just because I see that cause as right and good, even if I don't necessarily empathize with the people that I'm taking action on behalf of. I'm, I'm trying to think of an example of this. So maybe I believe in the cause of working toward housing justice, even if I don't necessarily, even if I can't put myself in the shoes of someone who is a refugee, who might also be benefiting from the housing justice I'm working toward. So sometimes it's worth just leaning into a cause you believe in, even if you don't have an empathic reason for doing so. So empathy can lead to compassion, but sometimes you can just take compassion in action, whether or not you have an empathic reason for doing so. Interesting, that connection. And um, it also leads me to talk about the fact that empathy and compassion can be external, but empathy and compassion can also be internal. You know, I can, I can, have a reflective experience of empathy about my own experience, which can lead me to feel compassionately to, toward myself. It can lead me to slow down. It can lead me to identify self-care, whether it's, I need to get myself to therapy. I need to, um, lie down and take a nap, I need to set better boundaries, I need to get more exercise, I need to have more play. I mean, any of those can be action that I'm taking based on experiencing empathy for myself. And I think it's pretty ideal that I'm talking about this in the holiday season because for many of us, even those of us without chronic conditions and pain, the holidays are a trying time, whether it's the shortness of the days, <laughs> the shortness of our patients, the fact that the kids are released from school, the fact that holidays are fraught with expectations, um, that Hollywood makes it look like holidays are supposed to look a certain way. Uh, the fact that we have baggage around holidays from our childhood, the fact that we have grief, uh, around the people who aren't going to be at the holidays anymore, perhaps, or 
divorces in our families and now we don't know how to manage the ho- I mean just there are endless reasons why holidays can be hard and for those of us with chronic illness and chronic pain multiply that times some factor I don't even know what to tell you <laughs> and so a way to take compassionate action for yourself at the holidays is to think about what you need or want out of this holiday season and plan ahead. I want to spend time with these people. (laughs) I need to not do more than one activity every three or four days. I need those activities to be no more than this many hours. I need to not commit myself to making all the food. (laughs) I need to be sleeping in my own bed. These are examples of things that you might take compassionate action around. And then you have to follow through because you're worth it. And so I encourage you to think about how you can be compassionate toward yourself in ways that feed you and will leave you feeling better at the end of this month than you would if you wiped yourself out, if you overcommitted, if you allowed yourself to go along with plans instead of enacting the things that are compassionate to you. Um, I've been doing a series of conversations over on Instagram that I would encourage you to check out if you haven't already. I'm calling them chronic wellness conversations and every other week I'm interviewing somebody on the gram and then they are posted in my reels for all to see. And today I interviewed an author, Dr. Don St. John, and he had a lot to say about healing as a practice, not as a static state, not as something we arrive at and then stay there. And I think particularly for those of us who are chronically ill, that's an interesting idea, right? Because healing, the Holy Grail. Um, And more so, he talked about connection as the largest piece of the pie of healing. And I encourage you to think about how can I do more connecting this holiday that matters to me? And whether that's connecting with family and friends you don't see often, whether that's connecting to one person you really love, whether that's connecting with yourself connecting with your higher power, connecting in whatever way fills your cup. And I think particularly for those of us who, like myself, are at home living on disability, connections become tenuous. People fall by the wayside. I might be living with a great degree of isolation and the, the tendency to remain isolated is great. And it's really easy to recede rather than reach out. And 
I would encourage you to think about what is the compassionate action I could take for myself that includes connecting. And in those moments when I'm feeling low, how can I connect rather than recede? How can I extend myself rather than isolate myself? And if there's someone you can reach out to by text or with a call or an email, and that someone can be me, leave me a comment. I respond to every one of them. Get on my website. You can set up a 30 minute call for me with me um, or someone else in your orbit. Connect, connect, connect. It is vitally important. And think about ways that you can take compassionate action. I am reminded of um, a practice that I learned of years ago by Tibetan Buddhist nun, and she lives in Canada. She herself is not Tibetan, but that is the variety of Buddhism she practices, named Pema Chodron, who introduced me to the practice of Tonglen. And it's a way of synthesizing and uh, activating compassion that uh, you can practice just with your breath. And it's that anytime you experience something wonderful or terrible, <laughs> you breathe in and you breathe out. And so the process is the same for either one of those things, but imagine you're eating the best meal of your life. And so you breathe in all of those wonderful flavors, you savor it, you uh, just pause to really enjoy. You do it very mindfully. You take it in as you inhale. And as you exhale, you have the thought, may all other beings get an opportunity to enjoy something this delicious, wonderful, flavorful, exquisite, fantastic. And the process for suffering is much the same when I'm marinating in my pain, <laughs> breathe in the, the heat, the excruciating, complex, overwhelming, crushing barrier of it all as you inhale and as you exhale you wish all or other beings to breathe free from ever experiencing that themselves and i find that in today's complex and overwhelming world that that practice of tonglen can be really valuable in the face of wars hunger, racism, climate change, you name it. When I'm feeling at my most powerless, um, Tonglin is a way that when I can't physically be there making change in the world, I can send my compassion. Uh, 
I can send my intention to all beings in the world to be free of that suffering. So may you be free of moments of suffering and may you find connection and light in this season of darkness. And until we're together again, I hope you're finding ways to gravitate toward being well.